Good afternoon, everyone. You're tuned in and chilling with the boys, with your host, Wes. We're going into game two of round one of the NBA playoffs, part two. If you haven't, go ahead and check part one, where we went over the games that happened last night or the day before. And tonight or today, we're going to talk about the games that happened last night. All right, let's kick it off. First question, did the Heat finally break the backs of the Hawks? This is series everyone was coming into thinking the Hawks are just going to get dog walked. It's going to be a sweep. The Heat are going to be able to rest and get ready for whoever they face next. The Heat came out in game one and just blew the hinges off of the Hawks. And you could kind of see a little bit of fatigue from having to play in the playing games. Now going into a hostile environment in South Beach, the Heat already played physical. The Hawks weren't seeming really prepared. Game two, they brought the intensity. Still wasn't enough. And some will have to sit back and wonder if this is going to be continued as a physical game, but we all know that the Heat are going to win? Or maybe going into Atlanta, where the Hawks love to win. They 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 thrive off their crowd in Atlanta. Will they be able to sneak one out? Uh, one thing I like to point out, Jimmy Butler went off. He took over. And to his credit, everyone else around him got to play a little bit more freely once he took over. We don't see that enough from Jimmy Butler, especially in the postseason. He likes to facilitate to get his teammates involved and just be that vocal leader. I love seeing what I seen from Jimmy Butler last night. I think he not only brought the intensity defensively that we've grown accustomed to seeing, but he brought it offensively too. And he reminded the league that he can get buckets. Jimmy Buckets isn't just a nickname. He can really do it. But to say that their backs are broken, the Heat took their souls and told them that you just, it's only a matter of time. I think that the Heat have the ability, if they jump out early and silence the Atlanta crowd, that they have a good chance of sweeping the Hawks. But the problem is, Trey Young is known for prolonging a series. So he scored a little bit better. I mean, he scored a lot better compared to game one. But you can still see with Bogdanovich, he started coming alive. There's pieces coming alive. John Collins was kind of getting in a groove. And here's another thing. The Heat got in foul trouble a little bit early in that game. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a little bit in foul trouble early next game, especially being in Atlanta. Not saying that the refs kind of sway for home crowds, but, you know, you got to call it what it is out there. I think that will kind of affect the Heat if they get in foul trouble early. 
to say on the backside, is this a four-game sweep? I think we got to wait until we see game three. If game three plays out like game one, ooh, it's a sweep. But if the Hawks come out with that physical style play to match the intensity of the Heat, we might be looking at a game five and maybe a game six. Something to think about when you're looking at these games, the intensity and then having to go back to the opposing team's home court. If you gave them a little bit of life, it's not good. Next question. Have the Grizzlies shown they only had a one-game slump? John Moran almost got a triple-double last night. Played flawlessly like he did in game one. You could kind of, you've seen everybody else with the chip on their shoulder like they had all year, rallying behind their star player in John Morant. And they got punched in the mouth game one. I don't think anyone really thought that the Grizzlies would lose game one, especially how Memphis is, home crowd. They just revel in that moment. They put on a show. I honestly feel like that first game woke the Grizzlies up. Having that leadership for the Timberwolves with Pat Beverly give a lot of you know give a lot of praise to him on what he brought to the Timberwolves organization, especially with a lot of young guys. I think we may have seen a beast awakening. And I don't know if that beast is going to go back to sleep the rest of the playoffs. Because if you're looking at it, it's just like the Grizzlies, it just clicked. And they figured it out. Do I still think that the Grizzlies pull off a four-game win and end it in five? I'm kind of suspicious on how they play in Minnesota, especially how that Minnesota crowd gets. They're they're loving every moment that their team is finally showing some success in the postseason, uh, even though they only won game one and got blown out game two. I wouldn't put it past them that they figure this one out and may get a game four win. Um, cause it's a lot of regrouping. You got to regroup. You got to figure out what you're going to do differently. Um, they allowed John ja Morant to score a will, but I feel like they allowed too many other supporting cast to come in and get into a groove as well, which actually was the cause of the Timberwolves losing. They allowed too many other people getting in the rhythm, which they didn't do in game one. They let John ja Morant be John ja Morant. Because, you know, there's just certain players you just, no matter what you do, they're going to be that player. But they didn't stop everybody else around them. And I think they're going to go back to that come game three. And it's a toss-up for me to say if game three is going to be that defining game. I will say if Memphis 
beats them like they did last night, I don't think the Timberwolves will have enough spirit to win another game in this series. So game three is going to be extremely pivotal for the Timberwolves. Not so much for the Grizzlies because I feel like the Grizzlies now knows how it feels to take a loss and come back and show their dominance. But I think game three is more important for the Timberwolves than it is the Grizzlies. How major is the Devin Booker injury going forward with the Suns? So I feel like with Devin Booker already was, you know, they were down before he got hurt. And I I think everyone, any analyst that you see, they'll say the same thing. They're already down. And, but I can't say that the way that he was playing that game all the way up until his injury, he was keeping them there. And, you know, Devin Booker can go all four quarters and light you up and win a game. Close out a game. I think with him being injured and him, it's being already released that he's not going to be there game three or game four, it is very important because now it puts more pressure on Chris Paul, Cam Jordan, Mikael Bridges. DeAndre Aiden's going to have to do a lot more. Jay Crowder ain't going to have that, that, that one, 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 one stat line again, and they win, I think it's going to be extremely important going forward that the Suns find that one other guy that's going to be able to take over. I don't know who it could be. I have a feeling that, you know, last year Cam Cam, Cam Jordan showed or Cam Johnson, I apologize, showed that he has times where he could take over. When need to, he could take over. I think he might be an X factor that can possibly put them in a position to still win the series. I don't think the next two games are going to be tough for the Suns because you're going to have to figure out who that person is going to be. And we talking about Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne last year did some things too that showed that he can have some greatness in him as well. He could take over a game. So I, I'm very interested to see. I think with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, those guys, what they're doing down there in New Orleans, Bringing that that mentality, and Brandon Ingram, I, I even said this last night during the game. Brandon Ingram did look like he was playing. He tapped into his his Kevin Durant mentality, where I'm just going to score at will, and I'm also going to help my teammates get involved as well. And so, six ten, man. He, he, you know, there's not many people that's going to be able to get up there and rise with him. And this is going to be an interesting matchup from here on out until Devin Booker gets back. But let's not forget the fact that the Pelicans still was winning before Devin Booker got hurt. And this is still, he still dropped 31. 
Chris Paul. You don't want to use Chris Paul to the max so early because, you know, obviously he's not always been healthy in the playoffs. So this is right now, this is the biggest test for the Suns going forward because if they struggle and they prolong this series, there could be possibility, and I don't want to say this as if I'm predicting that this is going to happen. There are always that possibility of one of your star players going back down with an injury that they suffered during the season. So these are kind of, that's a series that is a shocker. Um, I really still believe that it's a, a, it's kind of a nail biter between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves solely because we expected the Timberwolves with Ja Morant and that supporting cast to just blow the hinges off because, you know, this the streak was they had a great record when Ja Morant was out. It should just carry – it should just amplify it once he comes back. Um, it, but this, this Sun series is going to be interesting moving forward because Devin Booker is a key piece scoring and a key piece on how much attention he gets. So it, it, to me, this is going to be a, a very interesting time for the Suns. It's real, a really good test for them going forward for them to overcome. Finally, what to expect in tonight's games? So first we got the Celtics and the Nets. I expect Kevin Durant to come out and shake off the slump that we've seen him in in game one. Okay, I still believe Kyrie's still going to be Kyrie. I think that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, those guys are still going to do what they did. They're going to duplicate what they did in game one because they won game one. Whether it was a final final shot or whatever, a win is a win. The most heartbreaking win or losses is the ones that come at the end of the, a buzzer beater, which they had. And I think the Nets, showing that they've had veteran players, especially with Kyrie and KD, this this shouldn't be anything new to them. There's no reason to rattle the cage as of right now. And there's reports that Ben Simmons might be coming in game four. So this team, I feel like it's going to be another battle-tested team or battle-tested game. I feel that if it's going to go down to the wire once again, the only way that it doesn't is if more than Kyrie and KD catch fire. Because if you allow KD, Kyrie, Patty Mills catch fire, it 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 is going to be a problem. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to go. Um, we also have the game three between the 76ers and Toronto. I feel like James Harden is going to light it up. 
a lot more than he has the first two games. Only because I don't think Nick Nurse is going to allow Tyrese Maxey to continue to put up the numbers that he's put up and and think that his job is safe. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're going to win the series. I still believe that this, the 76ers win in five. Um, but I cannot see how Nick Nurse will be comfortable and not in the hot seat come off-season time if the leading scorer for the series was originally the fourth option for scoring on the team. That part you just can't excuse. Now, there's times when people get catch fire and you – you adjust and you put that fire out. But if you allow that guy to continue to blaze you for four or five games, you are in trouble as a coach because you are not adjusting. It's a difference now if you got a score like James Harden. You expect that from James Harden. You expect 30 from Joel Embiid. You expect 17 to 20 from Tobias Harris. But you cannot tell me that you are expecting 30 from Tyrese Maxey. And don't get me wrong, he's shown this throughout the year that he can do it. But back-to-back games and playoffs, that's a problem, regardless of however you want to look at it. And then, of course, later on this evening, we will have... The Chicago Bulls and Milwaukee Bucks, game two. Everyone is saying that this is a boring series. It's it's good defense, not high-flashing offense. Um, I do believe DeMar DeRozan is going to have to step up. He can't have the same shooting slump that he had in game one, come game two, and expect them to not get swept. Even if they do go back to Chicago, um, I, I, I feel that in order to stop Milwaukee, you have to meet them with physicality. And you got to do it from start to finish. There's no letting off. There's no, all right, we got a comfortable lead. No, if you want to be able to stop Milwaukee, you have to meet their physicality. And they're a long team. I mean, you, you got to call it what it is. You, you got some, you know, some length on that on that team. And it's just not the starting five. You can go to the bench, too, and it's still the same way. That's going to be where you're going to have to get up in. You have to get and not give any space. You got to battle for second chance points. You got to battle the rebounds. You got to keep Giannis out the paint. You got to make Drew Holiday be more of a scorer than a facilitator. You can't let Chris Middleton just roam, slash when he wants to, pick and roll. You, you got to get all up in the grill. That's that's going to be a key for Chicago is matching physicality. Because if you don't match it, they're going to beat you down. And everybody knows if you play basketball or watch it, 48 minutes of you getting bullied, 
it's going to wear you down. And at the end of the game, you're just going to have nothing left in the tank. But if you give it back, you kind of you kind of show, hey, we here too. Do I think that that is going to be how the Bulls can get a win? Yes. Do I think it's going to shift it to where Milwaukee doesn't win the series? No. No. I, I just – I still believe that Milwaukee will win the series, but if they if Chicago wants to show that they're on to something for the years to come, this series right here, round one, game two against the Bucks, this is going to be where you can show, hey, we were building something here and we can match up. We may not have the 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 talent. The whole talent just yet, because you know they had to deal with some injuries too. But they're building something, and this game, this series right here, is showing to the East. This ain't no fluke. When they were, you know, number one in the East for a little while, that was no fluke. That's showing. So I think that tonight's games are all going to be key. Uh, Only only team that I see, I can say. They'll probably lose with a confidence, and it really is not even a confidence because the game gets played is is the 76ers and the Raptors. Um, I don't think that they're going to – I don't think even if they find a way to play straight up and and give a little bit more attention to Tyrese Maxey, I think that's going to lead Tobias Harris, who's, you know, scored 20-plus last game. James Harden, who's facilitating but can score, and he hasn't even had to really score much. I think that's going to start giving him some some more space to create. But all, I th- all in all, all these games are going to be battle-tested games tonight, and it's going to be interesting to see. That's all the time that I have for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're chilling with the boys. I'm your host, Wes. Y'all have a good evening.